Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Boston Loose Baseball, I'm Grant Paulson, joined as always by Danny Ruye and producer Darius Dameron. Danny is wearing, are those pink or salmon shorts? Salmon, looking for salmon, salmon-colored shorts. Match beautifully your T-shirt, which is the Washington Nationals cherry blossom tee. Gray with a little bit of, a, of like, pink uh, leaves flowing yeah. in the wind. Uh, I hesitate to use the word stylish, but it seems appropriate. I think stylish works. Thank you. Yeah. Darris, uh, we are currently watching the Nats and the Mets put the finishing touches on game three of this series. The boys trying to avoid a sweep, and they're not doing as well as we'd like. Tough day at the office in Flushing again, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, especially after uh, drubbings the last two nights. I guess it's kind of refreshing that it's only 3-0 at this point. Uh, but let's see how they get through the rest of this game and get out of New York and Get on to the next series after this one. All right, so enough about this game. Let's keep things timely here and make sure we don't date this pod. Let's talk Luis Garcia's promotion. We did see him get a hit in his first game since being promoted. Danny, we've been waiting for this. He's hitting 315. he He's got a 900 OPS at AAA. Look, a lot of people will tell you, well, he needs to work on his defense or there's this inconsistency. He's better than Elsaitis Escobar, and that's what I care about. He is a better big leaguer offensively than Elsaitis Escobar. I think Escobar's better defensively, probably not by a ton anymore, because he's basically big league average at shortstop. I also don't necessarily care who's better. This team is not good. This team is not winning this year. To me, this should be about playing the kids and watching them develop. There's this marketing promotional piece that that airs on the Nats uh, television and radio networks. Uh-huh. Where Dave Jagler says, like, let the kids play. These kids can play. These kids play. Like, let's do that. That's what should be happening right now. So with all due respect to Alcides Escobar, and it's disappointing that he got hurt, and I do feel for him as he got helped off the field with an injury, it's now Luis Garcia time. He's played it over 100 games at the big leagues, and they've been acting like if they call him up, he's going to shrivel into the fetal position and be nervous or not be able to handle it. I think this was a salary thing, an arbitration clock thing. Yeah, service time thing. But here we are. He's 22. He's back in the show, and I want to see where he's improved, where he hasn't. I mean, the fact is, defensively, he, at shortstop, is is probably not ever going to be a plus option. He's not a guy that's going to steal bases. He's just okay on the base paths in terms of his speed. So it's it's a hit tool for him that could carry him. He's got power, and he's hit for average at the minors at times. That's the part of his game we're going to be watching closely. Yeah, I just don't think he's a shortstop. And I, I wonder 
the full big picture plan uh, of what the Nationals were doing here. Again, I, I really do, and I'm not faulting him for this. It's just the reality of the league and the structure of the sport at this point. But I think this was a service time manipulation for the most part, um, and having him down on the farm while he was quote unquote working on his defense. I don't know if they were having him work at shortstop just to generally work on increasing his athleticism or, or where he profiles. To me, he's one of those positional second baseman, meaning he's not going to range all over the place. He's not going to make Roberto Alomar athletic plays, and he's not going to do anything incredible. He's going to be potentially a steady, when it's hit to you, you get your good hop, you flip it to first base, and sort of that's the story. I just don't see him as a shortstop. But, you know, I'm not a scout. I'm just a pudgy idiot that does the show with my friend Grant Paulson. So we'll see about that. But I'm with you 100% in terms of Alcides Escobar. And this is the cruel part of the sport, of any sport, really any professional sport. Now's not the time. It's Luis Garcia's time. It's the kid. What's he going to do, make errors? You know, Escobar's got that covered. I need my 22-year-old up in the show, punting it around while he's learned how to hit major league pitching uh, and the like. The thing that I've been excited about, though, with Garcia is the increase in power. I've always felt like the hit tool was there. Bat-to-ball skills were going to be pretty good. He's driving the ball a little bit more as he gets older, bigger, stronger, uh, just kind of more, you know, um, Kind of in, in tune with his body as he's as he's full grown, I wonder where he profiles ultimately. I, I mean, we're going to ask Josh this um, in, in a few minutes when he joins us, but just about Garcia and you know where he fits into a major league lineup. I mean, if to me the ceiling for him is a kind of a Carlos Baerga style. I know Baerga was a switch hitter, but that second baseman that's adequate, even fine at times defensively, good bat to ball, occasional power, someone that could be a 280 with you know 15 to 20 home runs at the major league level as a middle infielder, that's pretty damn good. And that's one of those guys you don't have to worry about, right? And, and eventually you start to build around it. Yeah, you look at the minor league totals this year, and there were a bunch of errors. And to your point, there's big-time questions about whether or not he can play Shortstop. I mean, what I would say to that, though, frankly, is let the guy play and, and let's figure it out. I mean, right. He's committed 13 errors in 96 games at second base and another three errors in 11 games at shortstop uh, at the major league level to this point. And if you look at some of the minor league totals and specifics from this year, I mean, the numbers, again, raise major questions. So when you are just profiling okay defensively, and you don't have above average speed, and you're short on some tools, you're really going to have to hit to be an impact performer. He was a top 100 prospect at one point. I'm intrigued. You're 22, as you said, you have power, and you're coming off raking in AAA. Mm-hmm. Now, he started to slump a little bit there at the end, and we can ask the guy who called all of his games, you know, what was going on. But sometimes you see this with minor league players, where he was doing everything asked of him for weeks on end, and it really wasn't getting him a whole lot. Basically, he was just waiting, it seemed like, till a date in the calendar when he could get called up because the Nats didn't want to have him get the free agency a mm-hmm. year faster. So sometimes that can become you know, a mental hurdle, a mental block, and, and maybe that was part of the discussion. Maybe that was part of the conversation. I remember Bryce Harper. Remember, and Mike Rizzo's told us the story a couple different times over, but when he went up to, you know, to AAA to see Bryce Harper, who was at the time I think was hitting like 250, doing nothing special there at AAA, he said, what took you so long? Because he, he, it's you can't get motivated. You can't. I mean, it's it's human nature. It's easy to say you got to do the best you can every single day. But when you're that much better than everybody, and you know it's time. All right. All what what are we doing here? I'm just I'm barreling up baseballs on a consistent basis. I'm hitting over 300. I'm I'm driving the ball now. You know, 
at the time, he'd kind of settled into a nice defensive rhythm. I think of late, he's slumped at both at the plate and in the field. But it's it's easy to get bored when you're not at the highest level and you're kind of better than the competition. That's that's not a crazy thing for a 22-year-old to experience. Bryce did it at 19. I just know this. It would be huge for the Nationals if he turned into a really good player. Whereas it seems like the key boom experiment has not gone well and hasn't worked. Whereas Robles has not done what they needed him to do. If they could turn him into, even if it's at second base, yeah, a really good long-term solution at the big league level and a building block to go with Juan Soto and Kbert Ruiz, you're just that much closer now. It's a, it's a big, big deal that he gives them something, that they hit on him, that he stays at the major league level and he becomes you know, a future piece on a championship-level club here in D.C. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Another guy we should hit on really quickly. We were all over it with our scouting report on Evan Lee. Uh, I got to tip my cap to Cole Henry, who we had on the show a few weeks ago, who's his double-A roommate, starting pitcher in double-A. Cole Henry said he'd be 93 to 90, uh, 90 to 93, touch 95, throw mostly fastball, curveball, the occasional show-me changeup. That's exactly what it was. He pitched into the fourth inning. I mean, his leash was shorter than a ruler. What yeah. was the point of calling him up to, to get the bullpen up when he was still scoreless in, in the mid-50s in pitches? And then yank him as first sign of a run given up. Again, maybe there's just a disconnect, whereas they're managing and coaching this thing day in and day out. Like, they got to win every game and win every inning. And I guess I'm just in a different mode. And maybe they don't have that luxury, and I can just sit in my recliner at home and watch and say, go get the first pick. But to me, this should be about letting Evan Lee pitch through that fourth inning and and trying to see what he's got digging out of a jam with just the two pitches multiple times through an order. I kind of liked what I saw, though. I mean, he didn't. He was all over the place at times. Didn't necessarily always know where the pitches were going, but he was able to paint on the black on both sides of the plate occasionally at 92, 93. Mm-hmm. Missed bats with his curveball here and there. Uh, it, it is a little bit short on stuff because it's just those two pitches. So we're talking about maybe a back-of-the-rotation type profile. But, look, in a series where Patrick Corbin got knocked around and they gave up 23 runs in two games, for him to have looked the way he did was at least refreshing to see somebody new out there was getting some outs. My favorite part of, of his start today, and it was very brief, by the way. I know he was the pitch count was starting to rise, and and they're all kind of high intensity, high leverage pitches for a guy making his major league debut. But was able to wiggle out of some trouble the first couple innings, right? I mean, his, his own doing, putting guys on, etc. But making a big pitch, his first strikeout, I think, was to, was to close the first inning there uh, with runners in scoring position. There's 
stuff to like uh, with him. I really do believe he's that third pitch away from being able to be a consistent major leaguer. A lot of times guys haven't seen you yet. They don't have a book on you. You got the advantage kind of early here with the way his fastball goes and that really big, sharp, nasty, high 70s mile per hour curveball that, uh, you know, that changes your eye line, slows your bat down a little bit, and then all of a sudden 92 jumps on you like it's, you know, 99. But I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm with you in the sense that I'm a little frustrated. What was the point of the exercise today? Right. If the point is, let's empty the tank and beat the Mets, the next series be damned, okay, I get that. You've already lost the first two games. You're looking for an, a moment where, hey, let's let this kid struggle out of it here in the fourth inning. Let's let him be one of those guys that learns how to go deep in a game. I'm not talking about throwing seven innings in your big league debut when you're when you're emptying it, but who knows, maybe they saw something, obviously. I mean, you know, we'll have access to the proprietary information, but he's in a bad spot there. D Range Gordon punts a ball in center field. By the way, what is it you'd say you do here? Thanks for not getting runners home and make some more errors while you're at it. Anyway. By the way, they they registered that as an earned run after I, he booted that ball. I, I'm, Two earnings in that start where I I thought for sure the second run wouldn't have gone against his leg. It just it just can't someone's going to change that. I have to believe it. I don't have any good information on that. I have no I have no like scouting report on that, but I got to believe someone changes it. I, I don't understand. He he made a, an error that allowed the run to score. But that's a great hey, that's adversity. What are we trying to teach? We got a kid that doesn't have a ton of pitching experience. He was, was a two-way player. By the way. It's not like he's 20 and he was in high school two years ago. This was a college two-way player who's 24 yeah. who's on the 40-man because he would have been Rule 5 eligible, meaning he's been in the minor leagues for years. Teachable moment. What what a great time. Hey, this you know this bad thing happened behind you that is not your fault, right? You should have been able to get out of the inning with only one run earned or one run allowed. Now that's not the case. Let's let him come back and make a big pitch here. Let's see how he responds. If he doesn't respond well, teach him a moment. If he does, we learn something. These are data points that I think are critically important in a season where, again, we're trying to figure out who's going to be here in two years. Do we know What do we know about Evan Lee? Not that much yet. I saw three and two-thirds of Evan Lee against a really good lineup. Right. Uh, just to give you the full breakdown on these stuff from his start, again, we're recording this on Wednesday. That's when he pitched. Uh, he threw 41 four-seam fastballs and 25 curveballs. He threw one changeup, 67 pitches before he was yanked. Uh, he got 10 swings on the four-seamer and, and missed two bats. He got 12 swings on the curveball and missed two bats. Uh, called strikes 12 combined between the two pitches. Located seven fastballs called strikes in the zone, not offered at five breaking balls. So if you're looking at, you know, the two pitches, I'd say the curveball was more effective. That was kind of the out pitch for him. Uh, in terms of you know, some of the underlying peripherals and things, uh, the curveball got hit a little bit less hard than the fastball did. Exit velocity on average, 88 off the fastball, 84 off the breaking ball. Spin rate, you know, we heard was pretty good on the four-seamer. That checked out. But I'll tell you what, his maximum spin rate on the breaking ball was up around, uh, I think, 3,000. Uh, RPMs, which pretty telling. That's I, interesting. I say. Yeah, he um, gets a break that way, so you, you can tell why they feel okay about him. But he threw one non-fastball or curveball in sixty-seven pitches. You no, know, the reports sometimes will tell you something, and if you look on like Pipeline, it says he has this cutter left on left now. Well, we didn't see that, and I was told he hasn't really used that a ton here recently. Mm -hmm. The changeup we saw once, so you can go fastball, curveball if those two pitches are seventies on the twenty-eighty scale. I wouldn't say either of those pitches are 70s, right? So you're right that he's probably got to develop uh, something else. But just even if you don't throw it 20, 25, 30 percent of the time, even six to ten percent, just to get them off, right? Just to just to show that you're willing to do that, I think is critically important. All right, let's talk to Josh Wetzel, 
who's the AAA voice and the director of broadcasting for the Rochester Red Wings. We caught up with him to ask about some of the top players at the 3A level for your Washington Nationals.